I think a lot of people like to run away from things rather than try to work with them a little bit. And yes, you'll be human, you'll make mistakes too, but just your consciousness and your intentionality to be different. Like, I, I look at it as like a puzzle. A thousand piece puzzles put down in front of you. Most people nowadays will get up and walk out the room. They'll be like, oh, forget, I don't want it. If some people, a thousand piece puzzle, they'll work on it for a little bit. And they'll be like, I, I just can't finish it. Okay, fair enough. You gave it your best shot. You can leave. It's great to have you back for another episode of Opportunity Made, where we share practical lessons to break patterns, get unstuck, and find freedom in business and life. I am your host, Katherine Lewis. If you're new with us, in each episode, my incredible guests and I will bring you empowering insights and easy-to-understand takeaways you can use to transform your life. You'll learn effective ways to grow as a leader, clear your success blockers, and make new opportunities, giving you a life you love. Hello and welcome, everybody. We are so excited to have a special guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. My name is Tyler Glavisich. I am a client specialist at Haymarket Media. I also am on the board with Leon Foundations of Excellence as well. Yes. And we love having you, Tyler. Can you share a little bit more about how you got involved with Leon and why you decided to be on the board? Yeah, it was really interesting. Actually, I was coming out of, I think it was 2020. Yeah. The COVID year, the, the big event. I remember I was really concerned because all my opportunities were kind of falling apart, like in front of me, like I had a lot of things planned, some internships, my, my last, I would say maybe the shutdown started in March and I had things planned for April, May, and June that just will call you if anything happens when things change the whole two weeks and we'll be back and two weeks turned into almost a year and a half. But in the meantime, I was just scrambling because I had nowhere, to, no, nothing to do. Nothing. I was going to be stuck at home. So I was seeing what was out there. And at the time, my university recommended a, I can't remember the website, it was a, a small project website that was for short-term internships or engagements or projects. If you're a freelancer or anything, I said, you know, I'll give them a shot. I'll look on there. And I ended up finding uh, Leon Foundation of Excellence had advertisement for curriculum intern. And I was like, okay, that's not too bad. I'll check it out. And it was supposed to be only from June to July. I was like, okay, not too long either. And and it was all going to be virtual. It was fully virtual. So I said, you know what, I'll throw my hat in the ring. And that's what I did. And ended up being probably one of the most, I'd say, effective two months of my life. Honestly, it really affected me personally on on things I experienced while I was doing the internship, the people I was with, my own personal uh, thoughts and biases even started to change. And obviously, I have to thank you for that too as well, Katie, for being out there and, and putting it out there. But I always kept in contact after the two months happened and I've been in contact with the people I worked with. And lo and behold, one day, 
obviously communicating with you, talking about different things that are going on as in our life and stuff that you came up with to me and asked me if I would be interested in helping out even further than I did before. And I said that it didn't even take two seconds before I said yes, because I want I wanted to help out. And that's something that really is important to me, what we do here. And that's how I got started. So yeah, I said yes. <laughs> Just saying yes. Yeah, there's so many good opportunities in life that come from that. And really, you've made such a difference just being on the board, working on our new curriculum. I remember when you were doing the internship, you had some pretty profound conversations with some of the other interns. I mean, really just shifted a lot of our perspectives and humbled a lot of us. Do you want to share anything about that? Yeah, uh, I remember that was the, was that year or maybe a little bit earlier, but I remember the Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks came out and that real, and I'll get to the point, it has, this has a point to it, that reawakened my love for Mr. Rogers and what he stood for and all that stuff and everyone's my neighbor type of feeling. And I remember I just saw that movie as the internship was starting and I kind of had that mentality of, you know what, I'm going to meet new people, see new people and, and everything. And I treated everyone with the same type of dignity and respect. And and I guess just treat them as my equal as if I were talking to myself. And and it, it turned out to be really inspiring, really awakening for a lot of things, because I think there was one event that opened up my eyes. And I tell everyone about this, because I think a lot of people might have this bias or, or may have not realized this certain thing or whatnot. But I was working with a person who, you know, openly let me know that they had autism. And for me, in my life, when you're on the internet all the time, if you're under, I would say, even 30 or something, a lot of that stuff is jokes about people who have autism. That's just above the joke. There's memes out there about this stuff, like things that you never really explain, like almost as if having autism is is debilitating in it completely for your life and you'll never be someone successful even. And well, I never truly believed that. I've been surrounded by that and people who would think that, in, whether it's in high school or, or online, online so communities aren't always the best when it comes to promoting healthy ideas. So I took it back for a moment. I, I told the person, I was like, you really opened up my eyes. You really made me examine my biases because I always thought that someone who had autism would have a difficult time speaking, opening up, maybe be, be socially awkward, maybe just all these stereotypes really that I had on these things. And you may really examine that. And I'm proud of it. And I'm proud to say that like, like that. I don't think that anymore. I'm, I, I had to look back at myself and say, like, what are you doing? What are you thinking that for? And I thank them for, for being who they are and then helping me out with that. And everyone was like, that's like, that's the way to go. That's progressive learning. And like, even for me, who thought I, I'm like, I treat everyone the same. I treat everyone, whatever. Even me, like I, I was questioning my biases and the unintentional stereotypes that I was placing upon people that I don't even know. And then when I got to know someone who actually has autism, I was like, wow, that is not what I was expecting. Maybe I was wrong all along. And trust me, saying you're wrong is probably the hardest thing that people have to say in their life sometimes. But 
I was proud to say at that moment that I was wrong about them. So that's why I learned the most. Yeah. And your ability to reflect and say that you're wrong, you created a new opportunity for yourself because so many things changed from that one moment. I mean, like I said, you changed all of us when you openly shared it at the end of the internship. Hey, this is what I've learned. And you acknowledged the other person and said, thank you for teaching me this. They presented you an opportunity. You presented all of us an opportunity to learn. And how did that one shift in your thought about other people, maybe even in your identity of yourself, how has that impact you in the year since? Yeah, it definitely curbed my, I'll, I'll say this, like when I was younger and in high school and in, in middle school, like it was cool to be, I guess the quote word was edgy. Like to be funny, you had to say something controversial. To be funny, you had to say something that was like poking and prodding at somebody. And even if you got a bunch of laughs at that time or someone laughed or even the person that you're targeting like laughed back like that doesn't mean that it wasn't offensive or it's not hurting them either I, there was plenty of names i was called where i laughed it off but and then i pretend that i was cool with it but it started festering in the back of my mind and i really was like hurt by it and i didn't even maybe realize it at that moment and it i think that moment coming out of that i think that made me look back and and realize wow, not only did I do some what would be considered messed up nowadays, I guess, things back then, and do I regret doing them? But rather than sitting there and sobbing and, and being like, oh, I'm a terrible person, I really realized it's like, oh, okay, maybe I could be a better person than I was before. And even if I thought I was like a, a good guy or like I thought I was like a nice person, I could be nicer. I can be better. I could be greater. I can care more. I could be more compassionate. I can I can curb my sense of humor and, into something that's not like, like I, I think nowadays a lot of people say comedy is illegal. Comedy is canceled and stuff. It's like, no, like just don't say hateful things or, or don't go over the edge. There's no, you don't have to tease somebody endlessly to to be funny either you can you, it's just it's just the way it is it's it's about caring for people if you care for somebody if you care for a group of people even if you care for a type of person that you don't even know just the person down the street like you care for them like you don't want to see that person hurt you don't want to see that person fall on their face on the concrete you don't want to see that person no matter who they are or what they are you will find yourself to be more considering and caring person and all that stuff that all that toxicity goes away in the end because you're trying to carry yourself that you don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't have to worry about being so toxic or did I say the right thing or did I, whatever. Because if you're just trying to make yourself better constantly, I personally think that all that stuff, all that other stuff goes away and you start becoming, you know, who you want to be just by trying it. It's not difficult. It sounds like more of a sentiment of, the spirit of the law versus like the letter of the law. Like if you have the spirit of, I'm going to become a better person, I want to keep trying hard, then yeah, you're going to make mistakes in certain moments. You might say something that you look back and you're like, okay, I know now to not say those things or to say it differently or to think differently. But if you always have this essence of trying to improve yourself, that's what matters rather than putting yourself in a box and be like, you must not do this. You must do that kind of a thing. 
Yeah, exactly. That whole spirit, like, rather than being like putting yourself in the box and being like, okay, just don't say this, don't do this, don't do that. Just be like, I'm going to be a little more considerate today. I'm going to be a little more compassionate. And then that day turned into weeks, months, and years. And then for me, like, I'll look back and like, uh, you know, I had a conversation with a friend from high school and they said to me, we said some like, like, remember when this happened or that happened? I was like, that was really awful. Like thinking about it now, like in that mindset, we didn't think it was bad, but that wasn't cool. That wasn't nice of us. That wasn't whatever. And I think that's the part you have to think of, not consistently thinking about your past, but also being like, you progress without even realizing it. Like, oh my God, I used to be that type of person. I used to be, I used to care more about my, the likes on Instagram. I used to care about like, if this person had more followers on Instagram than me, can they be my friend? Can they, what, what go out, out with them? Because I don't know, not as many people in the school know them as they know me. And it's like, no, like, 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 no, that doesn't matter. And I think a little bit of the brunt of it is coming out of that, of becoming a, from a child to an adolescent to a a full on grown adult is one thing, obviously, because those are three very different stages of life. But it's also the idea of, like we said, with the, the spirit of constantly being like, okay, I can be better. I can be better. I can be better. Because if you're just stuck thinking like, like, oh, I'm great. There's nothing in the proof. You're going to be stuck in those stages of life, but your body's still going to be growing. So you're going to have an adolescent mind in the body of an adult. You're going to have a childlike mind in the body of an adolescent. It's not it, you, you're not going to grow up and adapt. As humans, we have to adapt and grow and, and be different. That, that's our, that's what's hu- human. That's humanity itself to, to, to adapt. That's why we're still here. It, it really is. Do you do any regular reflecting on life or it's just in moments like the conversation with your friend? So, yeah, I think, I think if you, I don't know, this is maybe a Gen Z millennial thing, but like every so often I have those moments where I call them Michael Scott moments because I've been watching The Office lately and I just realized like, oh man, there, there are some cringy moments in The Office where like, like it was just full on like, oof, like not even laughing. Like, like I can't believe you just said that. And sometimes I think back in my life and I'm, I'm talking about sometimes ages ago, sometimes last week where I'm just like, oh, that was a really cringy thing you said. That's a really like, oh, that was awkward or that was a little weird or like something like that. But going off of it, like I think about and I'm like, and what started off as like me thinking that and festering it and being like, oh, my God, what does this person think of me? What do other people think of me? I've learned to curb that into being that was awkward. Let me if I have a chance, let me try not to do that again. Let me not do that again. Let me I'll make sure I'll make a note in my head where I'm like, check. okay, that didn't work. That's not the right way to do things. That's not, that didn't land well. That didn't, that wasn't correct either way. And I'll make a note in my head, like, okay, you tried that. That doesn't work. That doesn't fly. Let's do something else. Let's improve upon this. Let's, let's not make things awkward. Maybe that joke wasn't sensitive. So maybe I should apologize to that person. Maybe I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention fully on something. So Maybe I should actually be honing in more and listening closer for next time. Maybe a lot of times, maybe if you're at work, like, you know what? My idea didn't land well. Like people really didn't agree with what I was saying. Maybe I should talk to other people, find out other things and aspects because 
apparently that one department might be doing something else that I didn't even realize because I don't work in that department. So maybe I should now take that opportunity, go to that department, talk about what they do, and then come back with a better plan. Like that's just that's just a couple of examples there. It sounds like it's really helpful in your job and understanding the cross-functional relationships and interactions between different organizations or departments you're working with. Yeah, it really does because I go into my job and I think you I think this is hands down what everyone should go in. You should go into your job assuming that everyone knows how to do their job. <laughs> like everyone else is like you should assume that like you're learning, you're going to do it, but you're going to do it well because it takes time, obviously, but everyone's been here before you. So you're going they they know a little more than you. That being said, that means that you're assuming that they do their job well. They know more than you, right? So they're doing things better. So they have something to give you. And and for you to give them is the attention or or the listening in on what they're doing and understanding what they do. And also understanding that every, one thing about jobs that people don't realize is that from the accounting department to the billing department to the finance department to whatever you want to call it, everyone has a grievance and everyone has pro like there's pros and cons to everything. And I think that being that little bit of listening here, like, oh yeah, I like I I like someone says I work for the billing department. Okay, I work for the billing department. I love what we do, but the software we use stinks. Or I love what or you talk to uh, the sales department, they say, I love what we do, but man, you got the monotony of writing it down and making sure that we're logging everything, not that stinks. Like that that that's not cool. That conversation is just that you're learning stuff about about what people do in the office and what they do and having respect for what they do as well. And you're hearing like, oh, they like to do this, but they don't like to do that. And not getting ahead saying, like, well, I could do that and I won't complain. No, everyone does things differently. You want you should hear what other people do. And it helps you understand more and be more both sympathetic and empathetic. When they're doing stuff, and I guess it's the whole idea of if I scratch your back, if I'm the ear for you to listen on, if I'm the shoulder for you to cry on, if I'm the if I'm the person that can you come to bounce ideas off of, well, then in the long run, there's going to be something that's going to involve certain up certain other departments, something else, and I'm going to have to come to you for help, and I know that you're going to help me because in some ways I helped you. Yeah, it's so interconnected. So it's nice that you have that wisdom. Hey, I'm the new one here. Let's say you just stopped into that job and you're going to be listening for what do people enjoy? Or what do they not enjoy? How can you learn from them? And then what can you give to them down the road? Your mind has to be really malleable in order to do that. You don't seem very rigid in the way that you think like you have structure, but that's different than rigidity. There's a looseness to the way that you think. So that way, if you get new information, you can change your assumptions. I, in my head, so like, I'll get like, for example, if I go to my boss and I'll be like, oh, like, I've, I, this is a lesson for everyone out there. One of the things that will be really impressive in your life, whether it's jobs, in, in your social life, whatever, try to recall things because it just shows that one, you're listening, two, that you listened. And three, that you can apply previous experiences to current ones too. For example, 
I'll be talking to my manager and I'll be like, oh, is it like when we did this? Or, oh, I remember a time where this happened. Or even like we're like, oh, I remember a previous job where I had to do this. Is it something like that? Just saying that overall is saying you're applying something to your experiences, what you've heard, maybe what someone else has told you that you are now applying to the situation maybe. And a lot of times someone will say, yeah, that's exactly it. And you're good to go. Okay, I have a good idea. But there are also times where people say, well, no, it's not exactly like that, but I see where you're coming from. At that point in my head, I it's almost like taking the crumbling up paper, throwing in the basket and starting on a fresh new piece. Because at that point, I'm going to start writing down seeing what this new thing or this thing that I don't know yet, or what I'm learning here, what it is about. So I can then compare it to maybe like the other information I have in my head or or just that like tag a new piece on the chalkboard or the, on the dartboard. I can just envision you creating this whole mental map. Obviously, it's inside your mind, but you're just putting all these pieces together and you're like drawing a string from A to B and checking that assumption and being like, oh, it seems like it actually goes to C or we need to create a new point for D. So let me connect A to D here. But overall, that gives you this very big comprehensive map of either how the world works, how your company works, who you are, your life path, those kinds of things. I could imagine that this system is very applicable to whatever you're trying to gain a deep understanding of. Yeah. And I like to use the example of, I like I grew up on like cartoons growing up. You know, I grew up on SpongeBob. I grew up on like different things. And I think there's an episode of SpongeBob where like they go inside his brain, like they like they look inside his brain and it's tiny little SpongeBob's of all different personality running around, like almost like an office. Like they have a filing cabinet and all this stuff. And to me, like when I was a kid and I saw that, I was like, oh my God, that's the perfect like envisioning of like how your brain works. People are like neurons, aka little SpongeBob's are working together to tell run this big ship, run this big office, which is your brain. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. And that's where I start to visualize things, not as like rigid or like, like this is in my brain, but almost like, like little me's running around, like, 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 no, or like me doing an action. I like to associate a lot of actions with things I'm thinking of. So like everyone has crumbled up a piece of paper and thrown in the garbage. Like everyone's done that. So that's why I associate that action with it. And people can definitely relate to that. And if you haven't done that, then I'll find something else to associate with it. Like, have you done this? Have you done that? Or just plan out, tell them. Maybe they're not visual thinkers. Maybe they are. Like, I know that there's some people who just can't. I think it's I, I, like in their mind's eye, they can't like picture anything. So they just yet tell them literally, which is totally fine. I'd be more than happy to tell you literally. Does this work when you're trying to change a habit? Let's say, like, if you're trying to improve yourself in some way, having this very malleable mental model, do you find that helps you change the habit? Or is that a total different process that you have to go through? Yeah, a lot of it, like, what I do is a lot when I want to change a habit or do something. Let's say it's something... Like, I'll say my social life, right? Let's say it's something that I never really realized. Maybe it's a trait that I brought down from my parents that not, it's not the most healthy thing. Or or maybe it's something that I, that was done to me as a child that I think is acceptable, but 
you know, my girlfriend at the time or whatever says, mm, no, that's not cool or is not acceptable of that, of that way of, of communicating or demonstrating or whatever. I hear what she says because one, I love her. So I want to make sure that like, that she understands that. And two, I, I try to make a change. If like she, I'll say, for example, and not to get too personal, like, but she'll say that like sometimes when if she's upset with me, I'll find a way to make it be like, well, I'm also upset with you as well, because this you did. I, I did that to you. Well, you also did this to me and you didn't even realize it. At first, I'm like, I don't do that. No, I do that. Like, I, I'm in a little bit of denial. Everyone is always in the denial when they're thrown as an accusation and such. So, but then I sat down, I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking, okay, maybe I do that. Okay. You admit it. You do it. You do it. Okay. That's fine. I'm sitting there and I think of situations that she, I asked her, I said, do you, can you think of any situations where I've done this, where I did do that? Obviously emotions may be high at the moment. So I might be like, can you tell me any other time or whatever? So I try to stay as calm as possible. But, and she'll tell me straight up, she'll say, there's one time you did this. I remember there's, or maybe this time, or like, I really can't bring anything up right now, but I know you do that or you've just done it. And I think about that long and hard. And I say to myself, I say, okay, that's something that you want to target. So in my head, I'm like almost like circling a pen with paper, like, like circling it. Okay. That's something that you do. So if it's, if there's something that goes wrong next time don't bring up anything that makes you upset that's off topic it has to be within like make sure you keep it within the sphere of what maybe she's upset with you about or hopefully she'll never get upset with me at all but that's not the way the world works because there there's always going to be another situation where someone's going to be a little upset but what i'm saying here though is like i'll think about it and i'm like okay I want to not bring up anything from another event that'd be like, well, you're upset about me at this. What about last week when you did that? Because I had my time to bring that up and I didn't. And I maybe I wasn't even upset about it at that time. Uh, or maybe it was just annoyed me. And now I'm like, well, it festered in my mind and now I'm upset about it. It's like, no, let's focus on the situation at hand. What did I do? How can I make it better? Right. And is it possible for me to make it better now? in the future? Or is it just something that I'm going to have to work on where it's like, hey, you messed up this time. You got to work on it next time. Like, 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 let's try not to do this again, like type of situation. So that's, that's what I look at. And at that point, like, I want to console her too. And then and, and let her know that like, like, hey, like, I can be defensive and stuff. But like, I'm hearing you out. And if you're saying that I'm doing this, and you wholeheartedly mean it, then I'm going to work on it. And I continue to work on it by focusing on that, like focusing on that, like let's focus on that situation. Let's let's see what we can solve out now. Like let's not bring up other stuff. And like, and you know what? I have also this to bring up because I'm mad about this. It's more or less like, what do I want? What's my main goal here? My main goal is for us to, one, calm down, two, talk it out, three, hopefully find a resolution or a compromise or something in between. And four, the last thing at the end is for us to be okay with each other. Like, because I personally think that when you're in a relationship, 
especially like friendships are one thing, but when you're in a relationship, that's especially if you live together or you're relatively close or like whatever, and you really do care for each other and you love each other, not none of the like the high school or, or middle school, like, like, oh, I'm dating this person Monday and not, and then not, Wednesday, I, I'm dating someone else. But it's like, okay, we really do care for each other. We really do have that compassion for each other still. What can make this better? What do we do from here? So, and that's, that's my mentality. And I've done that with previous relationships too. And sometimes the best situation in previous relationships was to let each other go. Like to, to be like, oh, listen, like maybe this is not the best. We're not the type of people for each other. And have that normal conversation with each other. Yeah, it sucks. And the emotions are like, really like, like you want to cry, you want, you're mad, you're all this stuff because you're human. It's like, you can't be like a, a robot and just be like, okay, well, we are breaking up now. Like that type of thing. You really want to be just considerate with each other and talk out. And if it doesn't work, then maybe that's not the type of person for you. Or maybe you can work it out. It's all based off the person that you're with. If they have a long run, then they have a long run. And also, trust the red flags. When you see red flags, if you like the per, if you're with the person for a while, like work with them. Be like, hey, listen, like it's not cool that you yell at the waitress because she brought you the wrong food, or it's not cool that you don't pick up your trash when you leave the movie theater. You leave on the seat, like something like that, and just talk to them. Just talk to them. Don't be like whatever. Don't be like mean or mad or like I don't know, embarrass them. You just want to talk to them and, and they'll be more, I think people are more receptive when you talk to them, like, rather than you jumping the gun or, or yelling at them or whatever than anything else. So, yeah, I think our culture today is a lot of like, oh, yeah, I got the ick, I got the red flag rather than me. We've been dating for four months, five months, and he's done everything nice for me. He's done great things for me, or she's done great things for me, or they have done great things for me. I'm going to throw it all away because yeah. They, they, they make me feel icky. Or if you're feeling that ick, I would voice that ick. And if that ick continues or grows into a bigger problem, then maybe that's something that person should maybe seek help for, or you, you can console them, or they can find something to console them, or, or something that, you know, wh whatever, that maybe be a bigger thing. And at that point, you can realize that that's at the point where you talk to that person, see if the relationship is worth it at that point if they have the, that big of a red flag, if that makes sense. It's just, uh, I think a lot of people like to run away from things rather than try to work with them a little bit. Because I mean, like they're, they're sometimes, like I, I look at it as like a puzzle, a thousand piece puzzles put down in front of you. You're gonna, most people nowadays will get up and walk out the room. They'll be like, oh, forget, I don't want it. But like if some people, a thousand piece puzzle, they'll work on it for a little bit and they'll be like, I, I just can't finish it. Okay. Fair enough. You gave it your best shot. You can leave. And some people are like, no, I want to see this through and and I want to get this puzzle done. And they end up finishing it. And then they look back and they'll either say, this puzzle's great. I, I'm going to put glue on it and hang it up and keep it forever. Or like, this was a waste of time. <laughs> and then leave the room. So that's my thought process on it. <laughs> and all of that is all good. All of that is smart. And you're the way people are. You're just human. That was beautiful, Tyler. I'm definitely one who's like more robotic in breakups. I'm like, we are done. <laughs> so you're teaching me yes. things here. But I think that there's a sense of turning towards each other that you've described where when you're upset or you're feeling these emotions, 
you're making sure you're going to this person and having this conversation or you mentioned trying to bring it up in the moment. And if you don't bring it up, then you're not bringing it up at another opportune time when they're trying to express their present feelings. So there's a turning towards, you're a team player rather than they're now the problem and we need to fix them. We need to fix the problem. I've heard before that when you can turn towards each other, you're on the same team and the problem becomes this third party entity. And now we can objectively look at it just like we could both look at an apple and we set that apple in front of us and we know we want to cut the apple. And so you're looking at it from your perspective and I'm looking at it from mine and we're deciding, well, do we use a fork? Do we use a knife? Do we use one of those fancy apple slicer things? Like, how do we do this? How did you develop that skill of turning towards your partner rather than them being this object or this problem? Yeah. What it really was, I grew up with a single mom. My mom grew up. And while our relationship isn't wasn't the best, I can look back now and see that like I really see where she got it from, where her relationship got from. And then looking back at it, she had a really rough childhood. She had she was the the only daughter of three kids, the only girl of three kids and two other boys. And she was really both picked on and bullied by her brothers and her parents weren't always there for her. And in turn, I think she used that as in as kind of a thing she turned towards me as her only son when she had me. She kind of enveloped that and developed that and tried to push the same ideas and uh, and problems that she had with them onto me. And don't get me wrong, it really did not help. There were times where I could say that I was in a very dark place and not there emotionally. And I guess you could say emotionally and even physically, like I was just not healthy because of what was happening and how her effect on me was. And it took me a long time because there's a lot of hate in my heart for her. And while our relationship isn't perfect anymore and we don't communicate with each other, I learned to know that that toxicity really is not something that I can have in my life to maintain my own mental wellness. But at the same time, I do forgive her for her actions. The reason why is because I know that they were just something that she was that was in her environment when growing up. Like, I really do see that as like, hey, this is how she was raised and brought up. And she decided on her own to use the same actions on me. And I was a cycle breaker. I was the person that said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to change how I think and not be like you. And at the same time, you know, losing your mother in your life is difficult, but it was a the only way that I can have self of mind for myself, because also we're here, we want to make sure that we're our best selves too. And the only way I can be my best self is unfortunately remove that. But I still, like I said, I, I, I forgave, but I didn't forget. So, so I still remember the trauma that she can cause and, and that has been around. And that's just something I don't want to put myself through again. That being said though, I, from why, from what I know, from what she experienced in her environment, I have the utmost empathy and sympathy for her on, on certain things. So when I work with other people, 
Like, I understand that I automatically assume that they come from a different environment than me. Like, they, they're they unique. Like, they maybe so there's always something happening or whatever. And I'm never assuming that something bad's going on at home, obviously. But I always assume that, like, this person, uh, I always joke, I always say, this person definitely had a shying match once in their life. This person definitely had a really embarrassing moment in their life. This person got sick on uh, at the worst possible time in their life. This person fell asleep. Like all these different examples in my head, because we've all done that. We've all been there. So I think of that in my head, and I'm like, okay. And then I realize that, like, that not everybody has this, like, I think a lot of people in the last year are, are automatically jealous of people because they have a happy attitude. If someone comes in with the like the whistling attitude where they're like singing <laughs> and happy and all all the time or carefree or stress or they're seemingly stress free or hide their stress well, almost instantaneously like I'm jealous of that person. I hate that person. I don't like that person. Why? Because they they either think that they're better than them or they think that person thinks that they're better than everyone else. And I just, I just don't see that. I see this person as someone who has pros and they have things that are happening against them too. So I don't think of the person as being this person that's superior, like, like, oh, they're manipulative, but they're also very nice. No, I think that this person has positive aspects coming down onto them. And I also think that this person has negative aspects coming down onto them. I really do think that that's the environment that people are. And I think, I think people are naturally good people. So. I give them benefit of the doubt, no matter what or anything. So that's my outlook on 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 facing problems and communicating it, rather than being angry all the time or 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 outright. That's the way it is. And and don't get me wrong, I am super defensive. Like my 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 uncle and my aunt, I am super defensive with because they raised me. Actually, they they raised me after uh, my mother decided to leave. And I'm super, super happy with them. But I mean, obviously, they have uh, positive and negative traits. And for a little while, some people brought some negative traits. And I was almost taking like as they're attacking me and my character when they're just bringing something up to me to look at it from a different angle because I, for a long time, I put them on a pedestal when they're just humans too. And I think that's what they want me to be, want me to look at them as well. You know, they're just people. They make mistakes too. They, they're, they do silly things. They do, they do right things. They do the wrong things sometimes. And and I think once that like was shattered a little bit, I was like, okay, I can still love them. I could still care for them. I could still think that they are great people. But I also can realize that like they're not like Superman, Wonder Woman. Like they're not like untouchable. So they still cry. They still get hurt. They still get jealous. They still get have they're envious. We're just humans. I love how much empathy you bring to the human experience of just understanding, look, everybody feels these feelings. Now, what do we do about it? What do we do about it in the sense of the way we're relating with each other, the way we're communicating, whether we allow people to be in our lives or not? And that's something I kind of want to dive deeper into. You and I have similar stories. So I ended a relationship with my father at 13. And then it was 13 years later after I was able to do a lot of inner work and finally come to this place of forgiveness and strengthen myself and my own boundaries that I could say, all right, let's try this again. And then your story 
Whereas you mentioned that you're not in contact and don't want to have some of those toxic behaviors in your life. I love that you're healing those intergenerational patterns and saying like, the buck stops here. It's not going forward with me. And yes, you'll be human. You'll make mistakes too. But just your consciousness and your intentionality to be different and to keep your mind malleable, keep learning. This is great. What's a better way? Okay, I did this but maybe I can have even more empathy. That's fantastic. If anyone is interested in kind of assessing their relationships or deciding how to heal that trauma and do you let someone in or not, any recommendations around that? And obviously things change. So even my dad's in my life now, who knows what happens later? Your mom's not right now, who knows what happens later? But when we're stopping the behavior rather than saying anything against that person, when we're stopping the patterns of behavior, any recommendations for assessing like what to let in and what to keep out? Yeah. And I have to say though, too, like I think a lot of people might call me if it, I always say my relationship with my mother is unique right now, but you know, and I refer to her as my bio mother, my aunt and my uncle, I call my mom and dad sometimes, which people are like, wait, what? Your uncle's your dad? And I'm like, no, no, not like that. It's just that they, they were the figures of my life that were the most motherly and fatherly to me. And I think with my bio mom, I think it's going to take some time, obviously, talking talking to her. But I think a lot of people, like I said, will call me a, a hypocrite if I were to all of a sudden start a relationship with her. But that's not fair either, because I took the time, I took that self-discovery, I took that that introspective where I'm like, okay, we're going we're gonna to try this again. And it's not going to be like the last time. We're not going to fall back into the same like pegs that we were last time. No, we're going to work on this and you're not going to treat me the same way as you did before. That's going to take some time. And, that, and then for me to get to that place too, it, it's going to take me to see some real improvement in her. And, and that's, that may never happen. And it may happen. I ne- I'll never know because we can't see the future. But I always hope for the best. And but I also prepare for the worst too. But to go back to what we're saying here too is, I think a lot of times now, I think a lot of people just have this feeling of like you can't be jealous, you can't be envious, you can't be, you can't have, you can't be mad, you can't say certain things or like or I don't know or whatever. When it's just that. Yeah, you can. You're going to be. You're going to do that. You're going to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Like, there's no doubt about it where, like, you you are going to not be doing this or you're going to say stuff that's going to be really off character, off culture, or do the wrong thing. And maybe you don't realize it until years later or, 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 or right then and there you realize it or, like, you go to yourself, why did I do that? Like, at the end of the day, though, it's how you recover. Because I think as humans, we're constantly hit with stuff. We're constantly thrown back and like, and the whole saying was like, take 10 steps forward and 20 back. It's, it can really affect you, but like our defining grace are everyone loves everyone when you come back from it, like when you're, when you rise above it, when you get hit with something that's maybe negative or you say the wrong thing or whatever, one, you should realize why people are mad at you or why things are upset or why somebody would bring this to your attention or or if it's something you said a long time ago, how come it took them 
for a while to say something. Maybe it was because they didn't know how to comprehend, like to speak their feelings. It's really hard to speak your feelings a lot of times. To, to how you're feeling in your head and your heart, just put it out in the words. It's fairly difficult. And I give a lot of credit to people who can. And but I think, in all honesty, though, like it's how you take that information in, realize, oh man, I maybe I messed up. Maybe I did something wrong. Or I did something that hurt this person. Then I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. And not one of those like. I am sorry I did this. This is not cool. Therefore, I'm like, whatever. It's like, no, like I'm going on an introspective journey. And I want you to realize that I am truly sorry for this. I did not know this at the time or I didn't realize this at the time. And you know what? You're right. That is messed up. That's wrong. And I'm going to take some time to realize that. Or, or I'm going to take some time to say, hey, you know what? I'm learning. I'm going to learn. And this is another thing that I'm putting on top of the pile. Like, I'd be better respected because I didn't realize it before. That's what happened with me with the Leon Foundation. It really was me questioning my biases and being like, wow, I was I was assuming things that I should have never been assuming. And it took one person not to accuse me of doing that, but just one person being themselves for me to be like, wow, that's a new way of looking at it. That's a different way of being. That's That was wrong what I did when I told that person straight up. I told the group, I was like, I was wrong without ever, without anybody even accusing me of being wrong. I, I went out and said, I was like, hey, I didn't even realize this. So you opened my eyes and certain things. So from now on, like, I'm definitely going to be like seeing things differently than what I was. And I think that's what we should do. Like, I really do. Like, I think a lot of people admit they're wrong after they got their hand in the cookie jar, after they got caught red handed. It's like, oh, I'm sorry because I got caught. Well, no, it's actually you should be like, oh man, I looked at certain things or certain old things. And you know what? Reach out to that person and be like, hey man, I assume that we're friends in elementary school or camp or at summer camp or whatever. But I know I did some crappy things when I, I don't know, I, I gave you that noogie on the head or, or when I teased you in front of all those people and embarrassed you. So you know what? Hey, I'm sorry about that. I could see you still as a friend, but you know what? I just want to put, put throw that out there, man, because that wasn't cool of me. And I want to make, and I still consider you as a friend and I want to keep it that way. I want to know that you, I care about you. You know, I, and that person might text me this at three o'clock in the morning, 10 years later, but it, at the same time, that, that person will still be like, I guess they do care about me. Like, because this is in their head. It's mind boggling. Our brains are big for what they are. For the people that we are, our brains are big and they hold a lot of stuff and, and, Maybe our total recall memory isn't the best always as humans, but I know out there that like if I'm thinking about something and like if I can remember something that happened years ago, I can also remember the good and bad things too. And it also, it's always important to see things from other lights too. You look through things that roasted the glasses. Like I always say, what's so funny, it's I when I was a kid, I mentioned watching cartoons, but we would watch the uncensored cartoons, the things that would may have like inappropriate things like blackface or something in there. And I would laugh because I didn't understand it at the time because I was born or raised in the 20s and 40s. So I didn't understand the culture. So I thought that, that, that they were just turning into something funny or like they look like, like, I don't even know what, like, like when it comes to that stuff. So I never found it offensive because I would laugh and just think it's a silly cartoon because cartoons are naturally silly. And then as I grew up, I was like, when well, I found out that like, although that's blackface and blackface is when is a negative stereotypical 
look at looking of a, a character of a black person. And I was like, oh, my God, rather than being like, I think people cherish on to the memories of like, but that made me laugh as a kid. So it's OK. I found joy during the time of my life where as a kid, while my mom and dad were going to divorce, I watched these old Looney Tunes cartoons and that that made me happy. So therefore, it can't be bad. People are over exaggerating when you could just be like, no, that that like sometimes sometimes things that make you feel good or whatever will bring somebody else down. And that's not OK. We're wrong. There's some great moments and stuff that that don't involve anything involving racism or sexism or xenophobia or anything like that. But there are also moments that do. And you got to recognize that. And you got to say, okay, we can do better. That's why when people get upset when the new Looney Tunes cartoons have Elmer Fudd with no gun in it or or whatever, they sit there and they go and people are like, well, that's so wrong because when I was a kid, and like I said, environment, all you had was one DVD that you share with your brother and sister growing up. And that was the DVD. Or like I said, your mom and dad were going divorced. That that was what you watched to get out of that mindset, escape that mindset of your parents doing that. All that stuff is what is environmentally can affect the person. And then they don't see what other people are seeing. So I think personally, you just got to be like, okay. I see that, but let me take the good parts out of it. Like, okay, that's offensive. That was offensive. Some people are offensive that, but there's a moment where Bugs Bunny did a little funny dance or whatever, or like he made, he said, what's up, doc, but a good timing. That was really funny. And like everyone laughed. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So enjoy those moments. Enjoy that moment. Picking out of that stuff, but also realize though that there were some negative stuff that, that can be, offensive to a lot of people. Like I always say, it's people say one man's trash is another man's treasure, right? But that can also be things too. Like you watch a movie and you can see the movie like that movie was great. And then the person behind you is is someone who's of another ethnicity, another race, another creed, another whatever, and be like, but did you see the caricatures that they were doing? Like, what, did you see that part? Like, did hello? Rather than being like, oh, you're, you're too woke, you're whatever, just be like, no, I didn't, because you didn't. And then be like, and then ask them about it, and then be like, oh my God, like I see where you're coming from there. I see where you're coming from there. The classic phrase, I see where you're coming from, meaning that you understand them. You don't have to, like, you don't have to sit there on the spot, and be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm going to, I'm calling home, I'm calling the studios, I'm, calling, I'm going on Twitter, I'm doing this or whatever. But like, just that one person or, or group of people or whatever, just be like, hey, I hear you. I actually do hear you. I didn't realize this before, but now I do. That's how you start it. And then you build from there. Taylor, I had tears in my eyes when you were talking about your experience with Leon because it just was such, it was such a tender moment where no one had to accuse you of a wrong. No one had to call you out. You just had intentionality and accountability and were self-reflective to say, oh, interesting. And then let that work its magic on the way you thought about things. It's really tender and really beautiful. And I remember getting really emotional back then, and it still makes me emotional now, just the amount of heart and soul that you brought to that moment where no one had to say, Tyler, you're wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. And it was just like, Tyler, you're aware. You brought awareness to all of us. So it's fun to revisit that again. And with what you're saying here about just saying 
I see you and I hear you. I think that's honestly one of the most important things that we can do as human beings is showing that empathy, being present and saying, I heard what you said. I get it. You don't have to agree. You don't have to take on the same perspective, like none of that. You can be an individual, but just to also recognize the individuality of another human being. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It really, I like what you're saying. I didn't even realize it really as you're saying it. It's like, yeah, that, but it's just the way it is. Even if I, even if the person says, no, man, you didn't do anything wrong. No, don't be like that. Still say, hey, like, no, don't be like, oh, hey, man, I'm so sorry for what I did. Just be like, hey, man, it's on my mind. Did this hurt you in any way? No, it didn't hurt you. It's like, mm, yeah, but I feel like it was still messed up. So it wasn't my intention. Okay. Like, it's all, you, most times they'll say, Hey, it's okay. Don't you beat yourself up over it. Don't whatever. But you're not being you're beating yourself up over it. You're being aware. Like you want to make sure that you're not stepping on eggshells either. I hate that, that phrasing when people say that. You're just saying like, hey, is this cool? Like if it's not cool, totally cool, fine. I'll find a new way. I'll find something else. And I think that's that also is a lot of people too. Like I feel like people fall in the rut of monotony of being like, well, this never, no one spoke up about this before. So now all of a sudden this person's speaking up six years into my me giving this type of presentation or this thing or whatever. And and all of a sudden someone has a problem with it. Well, screw them. I'm not going to change anything about it. I'm not uh, my, this is my presentation. No one's ever had a problem with it before or whatever. Don't be wrong if it's like something like outlandish, like, like, like where you're like, they're like, you need to destroy this presentation and build a new one from scratch, everything like that. Yeah, okay, some, sometimes people can be a little heavy-handed, but like also still that person who's saying that too, you should also take in consideration on why they're saying that. Why are they saying to like blow this thing up and, and start from anew? Well, this is why. Or maybe they'll say like, hey, like I thought your whole presentation was great, except this one part, like I feel like you really targeted one, I'll say like department, one group of people one thing without even saying it like it, it felt like it was really like like once you said that i was like i knew who you're talking about and people who weren't in that apartment knew who you're talking about or who aren't part of that creed or culture or whatever knew who you're talking about without saying it it's like then you might be i guess the word is leaning to it or or referring to it without even realizing it you're you're saying it and like and without actually saying it and you don't even realize that you're doing it. And people will bring that to your light. People, that's the one thing I always say when when my friends or people in my life get criticism on something that they've done, whether it's a work project or it's schoolwork. Like I remember in school, like when I was in college, my professors always critiqued what I did. Always, everything was a critique. And even the papers I got an A on, like they'd be filled with red ink sometimes. But that's a sign of a good professor. Because, like, maybe you really grasp something really tight and really well, and they just said, "Okay, here's an A." But if if you if you're sending stuff out and they're grading it and they're saying, "Well, this," and they lower the points from it, maybe you just really weren't paying attention to what the main goal was. I think the main goal in like college and like professors and people are to criticize, not for you to feel down upon yourself or be like really hurt, but for you to be improve on the next one, improve on the next one, improve on the next one. So that that's my main idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes it can be a sign of care 
it depends on the way it's delivered. Mm -hmm. If it's delivered in a harsh way, then that may be an actual criticism. But sometimes it's just feedback and we mistake it as an attack or criticism. Yeah. And I even think, though, too, with the harsh criticism, too, I think if if it's really harsh, like I would at that point, it'd be like some people out there can be harsh when they when they hit you with stuff. And that doesn't mean that you have to be harsh back with them or be like, oh, F this, I'm leaving or whatever. Because every so often someone has a bad day. Maybe they didn't get their coffee that day. Maybe they didn't do whatever or so often and they snap or whatever. At that point, and I think for your mentality, for your whatever, in a nice way, not jump back to like, hey, I don't appreciate how you just said that to me. Or like, hey, like, like I, I feel like you're a little rough on me in this one. Like, I may be wrong or maybe off. Like, maybe I'm like not reading the situation right. Maybe like whatever. But like, I feel like this one was a little rough. And I think that those are conversations that need to happen. They may feel awkward. Even mentioning, I'm sure people are like, I'm not doing that. Like, there's no way I'm doing that. But like, sometimes for you to stand your ground, for you to realize how important you are as a person, that's when you have to speak up too. Because you're important no matter who you are. Like, in the in the classroom setting, like a, like in, in a college setting, in the college class, like you are people. You're no longer children. Like, and there's a teacher. There's the adult there. You're people. You're, you know, you, you have people come back from school who are like 72 years old who, who go to classes now too. And you're people having a conversation with another person who happens to have uh, a, a degree or something or expertise in what they're doing or what they're teaching and you're learning the knowledge from them. It's not the idea of like respect your elders. No, some professors out there are the same age as the people coming in to the classrooms. So you need to talk to them. You need to talk to them as if they're people as well. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, address your emails. Hot, hello, doctor, so-and-so, hello, doctor, so-and-so. They had their doctorate and sign of respect because they worked hard for it. I always agree with that. But you also be like, I feel like you, you really ripped in this paper. You really ripped into my paper for C plus and stuff. And I don't know what I did wrong. I have read ink here. Can you explain to me what really what I'm doing here? And nine times out of 10, they will either A, look at your paper. Maybe they'll be nice and I'll say this. Or, and then they'll like, oh, maybe I was too rough with this. I'll regrade it. Or B, they'll be like, well, honestly, this and this. Because they see that you have a drive to be successful. You want to be successful. There's no professor out there who wants you. I, I honestly think they may, you may feel like it, but I don't think there's any professor who's like, you are, you don't need a degree. You, I'm not, I'm making sure this person doesn't get a, their degree. I'm paying this person to make sure that this person doesn't do stuff. There's a lot of professors out there who say, uh, this class is hard. This class will be difficult. This class is not easy because the material is not easy. And trust me, if it's not easy, it's not easy. You know, they're giving you a warning. It's not because they want to be mean or they want to be harsh on you. It's because they want that they're telling you straight up that like you're dealing with the heavy stuff. <laughs> you're dealing with a lot of stuff. So be ready for it. And I think the best situations for me when, and when I was in college or not was really where I went up to my professors and I said to them, I said, can you help me? Like, what is this? Like, am I getting this? And again, the total recall, like, Professor, you actually mentioned this. I remember you mentioning this in class. You mentioned this in class. Is this the same thing that applies for this problem here or this situation here? Or, oh, I remember you saying something. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That That is right. A little tip and trick there, too. But 
at the same time, it's it helps a, a lot in life in general. Tyler, going back to the healing of intergenerational cycles, do you find that what you experienced in your childhood impacts the partner that you pick and that relationship with that partner? Yeah, for sure. And I know one of my biggest criticisms in previous relationship was that I loved too much. I had too much in my heart and and that I was a nicer person than my partner. I would even go out and say that like sometimes I'd pick out partners that were relatively mean. Some of my friends would would call them or or say to me later because I think in a way losing my biological mom that that harshness that I lost to my life I put it onto myself. And when I couldn't do that anymore, I found a partner that can also be a little meaner, a little more stern, people that were the opposite of my personality. When, uh, Real quick, Tyler, when you say that uh, you lost that harshness and you put that onto yourself, could you clarify, like, so if your mother was harsh and you lost her, how did you put it on yourself? Just illustrate that dynamic. Yeah, sure. So I guess to clarify the harshness was my mom would put me down personally. She would say like, you look big in that, like oh, weight wise, like all the other kids are doing this, like you, everyone else wants to be like this. So you look a dummy, derogatory things and stuff like that. And when she left for a long time, because that was gone now in my life, before I seek, I did seek professional help too as well. I saw a therapist for a while, but before that, I, and which also I recommend for anyone, find your person, find your therapist and, and do that. Cause sometimes you need to talk to other people than just family. While doing that, when she left, I, I started to almost replace her in a sense. So rather than having that person tell me in, in person and like that, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not acceptable. I start saying that saying rather than that person saying you are not, I start saying I am not worthy, I'm not acceptable, I'm not good enough. And I'm pointing to the back of my head right now because it would always come from the back of my head. Like I would always have like this feeling like somebody was behind me, like almost like over my shoulder or whatnot, where I have somebody just being like where I would do something, I'd maybe I'd do something successful while she wasn't here, like or I'd like hit a home run or whatever and, and be happy for a second. Then all of a sudden, in the back of my head, it would be like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about that? You're not good enough here. You're not doing this well enough here. You're not doing this here. And that would really hurt. Like I I, I took, I basically took my mother's place and, and bringing myself down. And it took a while for me to realize that. And I would seek out people who are not as positive as me, I guess you could say, in certain aspects. So they would be really negative people who, again, are negative on their own circumstances. Like the, they had circumstances on why they act this way. And they would embarrass me, tease me, or like put me down all in the name of love, quote unquote. They would do that to me because they would say, well, I'm only teasing you because I, I care so much about you. Or I only tease you because I do so much about you. And when I voice my complaints or whatever, it would seem like that I'm just, well, I'm too emotional. I'm too sensitive on stuff. And I am sensitive. Like I think as a, as you can be, some people aren't. Some people are. I'm a little sensitive. So the long story short, though, I, I, was, I was in multiple relationships where it was just like everything wasn't working out. And 
it just and they weren't long lasting relationships. They were they were falling apart quickly. I would I would want to have a girlfriend at the time where just because I wanted someone to be with emotionally compatible because you know, your friends can only go so far when you have a partner that you can share experiences with and other stuff like that's different too. That that's really unique. And and I think that's special too. That's a special kind of relationship. And I just ended up choosing people that were either emotionally unavailable for me, just not available whatsoever. And just were on different tracks of life at the same time. You know, I, there are times where for me, like I would, like where I say about the ick or where I say about red flags, I was the biggest portrayer of like, oh, that person just gave me the ick, goodbye, ghost them, whatever. And that's not fair either. That, that's not fair because that person, it, it, it just wasn't fair. And you know what? At the same time, though, it, it just didn't work out. That being said, now, in the relationship that I'm in currently, it's it was the first relationship ever where I felt the person matched my level of love, if that makes sense. But the person I'm with currently <laughs> it really made me feel as if I am special. I am worthy. I'm good enough. And almost rather than like you know, that person where I'm like, I'm, I was expecting someone to say to me, I'm not good enough or bring me down. Like I am. Um, I guess the best way I, I, I really thinking about it too, I guess the best way of putting it was like, I was up here. I wanted someone to bring me back down to the earth level, right? I want someone to be bringing me back down to earth because I was up here because I thought I needed to be here. I need, I need to be here. I need to be put in my place. I need to be put in check because, well, I'm just not a good person, like that type of idea. And she was the first person that would meet me up here. And if I needed to be put down here, she would put me down here. But at the same time, give this reassurance that like, hey, you may be down here, but you can still be up here if you just do this or if this just happens or if we work together. And at the same time, like it really put me into a perspective that like this person really does love me, does care for me and wants the best for me and also knows like that the best for me is sometimes a difficult thing. Right now we are living long distance and we're looking for a place together in Jersey and we're trying our hardest to be patient and stuff. And the easier easiest thing, I guess, would have been us just finding an apartment, moving in together and just seeing how it goes from there. But no, we want to save our money. We want we're saving up for I'm saving up for engagement ring. She's saving up for a down payment, which I'm also going to help her out with because we want to have a place that we can call our own one and, and live together in, in, in a sense that, and, and we both have successful jobs now. We wanted to make sure that we're well off because I feel as if I didn't give my best foot forward, if I didn't go in this relationship without, if we moved in together without either one of us having a, a good job or where we're happy, then that would affect our relationship with each other as well. So for me, I wanted to make sure that like I had one enough money where we could be satisfied and be healthy and do well and get her the ring that she wants. <laughs> and and she's saving up money because one, she's paying off for school. I want that to be the focus for her. I want her to make sure she gets that degree without any worry about any debt that comes with getting your graduate education. And I wanted to make sure that she is 
like that we can take that we can pay for where we're living. So I want to make sure that all that is fine and, and dandy and all that stuff. And at the same time, we try to go up to see each other every weekend. And and we try our best to, if we have to meet halfway and stuff or whatever, and it's tough sometimes. I'm a very extroverted person. She's a little bit of an introvert, she likes to say, but she does have extroverted tendencies. So she gets tired sometimes. Sometimes when, when she gets here, I'm like, I want to go out. Let's do something. Let's have some fun. For her, sometimes it's let's watch a Hallmark movie or whatever movie that we have on Netflix. And just curl up and with with like some soup or and hot chocolate or whatever, that's fine. But that we compromise for each other. If, if that's really what she wants, then you know what I'm going to do that for her because I go out anytime. Like, and she knows that there's times where like my friends are going out and I want to bring her along because all my friends are bringing their girlfriends. She'll make the the trip. She'll make sure that she's up and ready for it and to hang out with me and go out and and. That's what we do. We make sure we care for each other. We love each other. And it's unconditional without even thinking about like, this has to be unconditional love. Like it just, it just what it is. <laughs> it just happens. And I think that's in a relationship, that's what you should look for. Somebody that will like, you don't want to like the whole opposite to track thing isn't the greatest. But you don't want someone that will just pump you up and never give you like a piece of their mind. You want someone that can lift you up but also keep you in check while also letting you know that like that you're worthy of being here and you have a place on this earth along with them. So I, that's my personal thing. Tyler, you have such a big heart and I love what you said. I'm inspired and I'm, I'm a little bit emotional again. That's like twice in this episode, but that just sounds, I mean, wow. That just sounds absolutely incredible where you have that movement. It's dynamic. As you said, they lift you up, but also check you, but also inspire you to be more. I mean, you said it better than I can, but I just want to reiterate it because that's really powerful. I have two questions. One is you talked about this pattern with your mom. You kind of, you know, you came into this world, there was some negativity. And I think as humans, we become familiar with the environment we're raised in. And if we're familiar with struggling or poverty or trauma or being beaten down or everything that's on the positive side as well, if we aren't conscious of it, then that becomes the environment that's comfortable for us. And so sometimes we can sabotage things or look for partners that are good for us as we become adults. So it sounded like you <clears throat> you were familiar with a certain thing. And when that was gone, you had to recreate that environment for yourself with your own narrative. But inherently, you seem really positive. Where did that positivity and all of that love come from? Honestly, I, there's a little reference to earlier where I said my aunt and my uncle were, I put them on a pedestal for a little bit, but they were also very positive and, and well and home and welcoming people, always have been. And I think in the sense for me, when I see, when I, when I look at them, I always felt like, they always welcomed everybody in like there no one's like taking a side and stuff like that and i i always thought to myself i said at first i always felt really alone in the world i was like there's no one else in the world like me like who were been by their mom who you know who but still trying to keep in contact with them and then like also like being raised by these two people who we call your aunt and uncle 
and but like they treat you more like their son and they and they bring you in and like they're like you're the surrogate son stuff like that and but then in a sense i was always thinking well what about people who are i guess you could say like me but don't have that bill and cheryl like i always thought about that i always in the back of my head i was always thinking like there there has to be people out there who had the same situation as me, but weren't lucky enough to have a, a, an aunt and uncle like that or a Bill and Shore or a figure in their life like that. And from that moment on, when I realized that, I said to myself, like, at first I was like, I want to be there. Those people, Bill and Shore, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to be like this big, like Willy Wonka-esque, like Mr. Rogers type figure. And I was like, that I don't think that seems too possible, but I want to put positivity in the world. I want to be happy with myself. And it took a while for me to be happy with myself. It really did. And once I received that, once I went to therapy, once I patched things up with Bill and Cheryl after Kat, my, my, my biological mom left, and I was, I was really in a dark place and a dark time, and I took it out on a lot of people, they helped me pull, they helped pulled me out of there and I thanked them and I also apologized to them for how I treated them for a year and a half for what I was doing in my life and uh you know I I look back at it now and I'm like you know it feels so long ago it feels like such a short amount of time but it had such a long lasting effect throughout my life where I could say to myself I'm like you know I am I'm here I you know I love myself and I want to be positive and I want people to feel like they, they that they're important and rather just having, you know, like the little bubbly feeling that they have when, you know, like when someone compliments them or, or says something nice, I want them to feel like, no, like they're important. I want them to hear that I hear them. Even if they don't know me from Adam, I still want them to know that like, you got to show the crime, you got ear to listen, you got eyes to look at you, you got like, you got all the stuff. And, and I'm here for that, man. I'm here for that. Like, I want to make you like, I'll make your day special. And, and I want to relate to you in certain things. If you want to complain about stuff, I'll be like, oh, shit, I didn't know about this. Or, oh, no, I didn't know about that. Like, that's crazy that you're saying that stuff, like, or whatever. Or it's just the way it happens. It just fell into that pile of like, of me wanting to be a better person. It just that better person because I wanted to, I found out that my health is important. My mental health is important. Therefore, I want to take time to consider other people's mental health as well. I want that time to say, hey, like I I love myself. I know who I am now and stuff like that. Some people may do know that as well. Some people may not be on that journey. Some people may just be starting that journey. Some people may be halfway through it. I don't know. But I want to be respectful of those other people and just be able to hear them out because I love myself. There's a lot of love to give. But at the same time, like I want those people to know who they are as well. So, and from what I see, I try to pull out who that person is. I want to be respectful to that person that they are and cater to them. Okay. So you mentioned that when you met the person who's your partner currently, that you were like, wow, I feel good enough. I feel loved. Like it's this unconditional thing. But then, Listening to you now, you just mentioned that as you grew up and healed some things, but we're still with your aunt and uncle, you started to change your thinking about being worthy and good enough. So I'm curious if we draw out a timeline, like, did you, when you met 
your current partner, did you already feel good enough and worthy inside yourself? Or was that something that they helped you develop? Because there's this concept that we look to other people to fill holes in ourselves. And I don't know that your partner was like filling this hole within you because you had such a whole and complete heart yourself, right? Yeah. And you know what it was? My partner prior to that was that person that would like, I'd be uh, all the way up there and they'd keep me in check. They'd constantly keep me in check, but they would never bring me back up. They would bring me up, keep me in check and then bring me back lower. And then at that time, after I, after things ended with that person, I was in this place where I was like, well, who's going to keep me in check anymore? Like no one's going to keep me in check anymore. Like I'm my own, like I'm my own person. And like, I'm going to be who I want to be. And I love myself. And, and I had that realization afterwards of, of this person that broke up with me that I really was like, well, no, I'm going to, I'm going to focus in on me and, and who I am and what I'm doing. And then when I met my partner, then it was almost like, like, I, like, I love what you're doing. I love what you're saying and stuff like that. But have you ever thought about this? Or have you ever thought about this? They were, I was like, oh, man, I really never thought about that. Or, oh, I should bring different perspectives or different aspects of things that I never thought about. And like I said, this person would love me when I'm like this, when I'm up my highest. But then when they bring me back down to earth, they'd still love me for it too. Like they'd love me. They wouldn't berate me and say, hey, yeah, you belong here with me or whatever, like you, like, like down to earth or whatever. We both belong to be up here. Like we're both up here. And I don't know. At the same time, like, like it was almost like she helped me get my ego in check too. Like she helped me go from being this person that like, I love myself to be like, oh my God, I love myself. Like, I love me. Who do you love? Like, like, like my ego got too was almost on the risk of getting too big. I feel like, and she was the one that was like, all right, like you're a good guy. You're a good person. You mean a lot. You have a lot of love to give, but <laughs> let's reel it back a little bit because you're focusing on yourself so much that you don't realize that there's other people around you now too. And and yeah, she brought that out of me. She really brought out the idea of me caring about more people more because at the time when I met her, I was really on like the self-help, like, like I'm helping myself. I'm getting my mental health in check and stuff like that. But also I was... I guess you could say a little bit less considerate. I wouldn't say inconsiderate because I don't think I, I never really truly was as some people are, but I was less considerate of the others around me because I was always like, I was more or less like, I'm me and who I am that hurts you, that offends you, then I guess you can't be my friend. Where it really was like, no, like, don't be so blockheaded. Be more compassionate, be more open, be more receptive of people of all different types just because you don't think that they're a certain thing or certain this or whatever doesn't mean that like you have to be a tormentor like or like or like I, I guess a good example would be like i would always i'm not a very religious person and i went to a, a catholic jesuit university which i know right and some people are very religious and would go to church and stuff on Sundays and do their thing and whatever. And I tend not to believe that. And I would think that me being like, I'd be like, oh, no, I don't believe that. I think it's phony. I think blah, blah, blah. Would be okay to say to somebody when it'd just be like, when I, all I could say was, yeah, I don't really believe what you believe, but you know, I think it's cool that you're into that. Oh, you want me to 
like whatever, like, oh, this is a, a religious thing. I'd be like, oh, forget this. I don't want to do this. And like, forget that church or whatever. But if one of my friends was just like, hey, I'm doing, I'm reading sections from the Bible at church. I'm, I'm being one of the speakers at church. It would really mean a lot if you showed up. But like, you know what? Like, because of my partner, I was like, this person wants me to be there for them. I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to do that for them. And she showed me that. And it wasn't even just because of her wanting to be like that with me, that it was because other people around me I could be compassionate with too. I could really be receptive and, and, and all that stuff. And that's just the way it was. That really was. That's so beautiful. I think it's incredible when you can meet with someone who not only lifts you up, but also helps you have better relationships with your other relations where you learn from them and all of a sudden other relationships are being healed or empowered or there's just a higher quality to them. Yeah. That's awesome, Tyler. It was transcended. I could say that (laughs) because it it went from, it helped heal friends relationships as well that I didn't know that needed to be healed Mm -hmm. either. It was like, like my friends wouldn't come to me for certain things because they know how I'd react or whatever. And because of my partner, like it helped me be like more, I guess them also see like, oh yeah, like come to Tyler if you need something like that, he'll be there. He's your cheerleader. He can he'll cheer you on, and that, that's what I do. That's what I've done. So yeah. Wow, that is just so beautiful because you already had that foundation of a relationship with your friends, anyways. But the way you allowed yourself to be changed by this other person, by your partner, they were like, okay, we already know that we could relate to Tyler. We were friends. We had that foundation, but now there's more accessibility. You made yourself more accessible and more available emotionally and maybe even in your presence, I don't know, but to your friends and that just increased the quality and depth of your relationships. Yeah, it really has. It it helped me be a better friend, not just to be a better boyfriend. It really did. That's beautiful. Tyler, as we wrap wrap up here, I'm just so curious about the art that's behind you. I can see some baseball pictures, a couple different things. Are there stories behind those? Yeah. Number seven for the Yankees over here, that's a famous baseball player. That is Mickey Mantle. My dad is, he grew up in like the 60s and stuff. And he was born in 48. So he was born, so he grew up in the 50s and 60s. And he, he grew up in the, during the era of Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle. And they were, I think at the time going to beat Babe Ruth record of home runs in a single season. And they were going head to head and they both played for the New York Yankees. And it was, he, Mickey Mal at the time was like, I guess what Aaron Judge or LeBron James is to some kids today. Like just the all around like athlete hero, like, oh, he's the coolest. So my dad is obsessed with Mickey Mantle. And we have a few pictures of around the house of that. And we have some classic Yankee stuff over here, too, as well. We have a Phil Rizzuto signed photo. And we're also New York Rangers fans, so we have some of that, too, over there. But I'm a big Disney Parks guy. Like, I love, like, Disney World and Disneyland and stuff. So I also have some of my stuff. You can see Snow White. I think that's a sketch of Snow White. Of Only 195 of them were made and. I think I have number 99. Wow. And then the one, yeah, the one over here is, if you like the Haunted Mansion, that's Madame Leodia's crystal skull that, or crystal ball that's in the ride. So wow. 
little deep cut there, but yeah, that's some stuff. Back. <laughs> that's so fun. I love that. Just just kind of putting everything out there of anything that has meaning, like having it up on the wall and just to surround yourself by things that bring you joy. Like that seems like that's a big part of your life. Is Oh, yeah. I'm a firm believer. Like my partner and I have really gotten to building Legos again, like, just building stuff. And it's not like, I think a lot of people would say like, oh, you're like, what, is you, what are you 12 again? It's like, no, like I like this stuff and it looks cool and it's fun to do. And it's a fun partner activity. And like, you can display it and just be like, in like your little space, like I'm not saying you have to put like your whole house up and like make it look at an Apple, an older, remember what Applebee's were with like all the <laughs> memorabilia around there. But you could just have a little spot and be like, oh, cool. I, I built it one and and now it's hanging up. So, mm-hmm. Hey, as we wrap up here, what's the future look like for Tyler? Either your internal journey or external. Future looks like always growing, always trying to be better, trying to learn. But I'm always continuously learning, like no matter what it is. And hopefully next time you hear me from me, it might be engaged and we're moving into a place so fingers crossed like always hoping for the best there and uh, yeah it's just the future's looking bright for me so and I'm, I'm proud to say that but i'm also very humbled to be on here and able to talk about the this so also anyone who's listening to this who is like young and like when you're 21 or 23 and you come out of college and you're like Oh man, I'm 23 and I see on LinkedIn, my friends have this job. I have this job. They had this job where they're working here. They're working at like wherever you'll get there. You'll get there. I am 26 now and I'm working at a job where I love with people I love. And I can't tell you enough, like how good it feels to be there and how like my journey was a long and rough one, but I finally got to it. And um, I couldn't be happier with the place I'm at. So I, I, I would take waiting till I'm 26 and getting a job at that I was like about at like 22 or 23. Well, now I found a place where I love at 26. So that is such a strong message. Right, yeah, that's beautiful, <laughs> Tyler. And I think your self awareness and compassion like helps with that because it, you probably go through and say, "This is what I do like. This is what I don't. This is what I'm looking for." And so that awareness probably help you to get to where you are. So you know what you're looking for and what you do like, but that's really good advice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm proud to be here. I'm proud to say it. And if anyone who's inspired by your story wants to connect with you after they listen, where's a good spot to find you? Yeah, of course. For anything that you want to reach out to me, I am on LinkedIn. You just follow me at Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R. And then the last name is Glavsich, G-L-A-V-O-C-I-C-H. And then, obviously, I have an Instagram. If you want to follow me, I post some stuff. You can see my partner on there for sure. <laughs> it is Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R, William, W-I-L-I-A-M, and Glav, G-L-A-V. So Tyler William Glav. You can follow me there. Awesome. Well, I hope that... People connect, especially if they're young professionals. I think there's a lot more that they can learn from you, that we all can learn from you, especially in this beautiful realm of having a heart that's full of love, self-discovery, and really honing in on your emotional intelligence. Tyler, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you as a human being. 
I always have so much joy every time that we get to interact, whether it be for the Leon Foundation of Excellence or just as human beings as we got to today. So, so much love and gratitude for you. Thank you for joining me on Opportunity Made. Of course, glad to be here. Proud to be here. <laughs>